Discussions in this show should not be construed as specific recommendations or investment advice. Always consult with your investment professional before making important investment decisions. And now, Financial Renaissance with the M's. Alexa, what's the weather? When you go to the ATL, you never know where the weather will be. But when you go to SSNATL.com, summer skies. 
money out of his own pockets into this charity. So from 1987 to about 2006, he had put in about 5.4 million of his own money that they can account for as of this point. Okay, so so far everything sounds kind of good, but in 2007 he dropped his charitable donation down to thirty-five thousand dollars. In 2008, only thirty thousand dollars, and then after 2008, not another dime. What happened in 2008 that would have caused people to have a kind of a cash crunch? Was it the Great Recession, perhaps? Hmm. So from 2008 to 2019 or 2018, Donald Trump and his family had not put another dime into their Trump Foundation. But let's talk about uh, a little case of what happens when, and again, everything that's done with uh, foundations is public knowledge. So back in um, 2010-ish time frame, Donald Trump was soliciting funds, he was soliciting donations from other people for the Palm Beach Police Foundation. And Palm Beach is in the state of Florida. So there was a uh, foundation by the, in New Jersey by the name of Charles Evans. They donated to the Trump Foundation between 2009 and 2010 $150,000. In 2010, the Trump Foundation donated that $150,000 to the uh, Palm Beach Police Foundation. They then honored him uh, for his selfless support. They gave him a Palm Tree Award for his philanthropy. But let's go back and do the math again. This Charles Evans Foundation gave him $150,000. He put it in his foundation. He turned around and gave it to the Police Foundation. He also claimed on the, the charity's tax returns uh, the deduction for the 150000 okay? That was just a pass-through. He didn't add any of his money to it. So when we come back, we're going to look at some of the laws that were possibly broken uh, by doing this type of behavior and whether or not, you know, we're doing right by ourselves and the people that we're trying to donate to by not checking a charity's tax returns. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's. That's right, Emma knows that money. Listen, if you are watching this show, if you can hear the sound of my voice, I really want to know what your comments are, uh, uh, what's going on, what do you think about the Trump Foundation and them kind of using their foundation as a pass-through entity for other people's money? You know, you down with OPP? I think it'd be OPM. You down with OPM? Yeah, other people's money. It should be a crime. So before the before the break, um, I told you how he had, in one particular case, taken 150000 from an organization, donated it to a police foundation, and then that police foundation gave him an award for being a selfless and charitable human being, which is awesome, right? Except that this police organization, when they had this gala, this gala took place at guess where? Mar-a-Lago, right? And they paid, they rented the space from Donald Trump for $276,000. Now, I think this is an old-fashioned word problem. Let's go back to our math days. So he took in $150,000. 50, he gave it out, and then he made another 276. So I think he actually made a profit. So for the last 17 years, it looks like his charity operated differently than all the other charities possibly in the country. So they took a deduction, um, and I'm sure they've done a whole bunch of other stuff, and I've got the litany of it. I've got all the receipts, but I want to talk about the kind of crimes that took place. I've been serving on boards now for a little over 10 years, and Serving on a board is painstakingly um, a devotion of love, 
um, a, a, a labor, you know, you volunteer your time if you if you have the time, you volunteer your money if you have the extra money. But the bottom line is you want to do good for other people who may be less fortunate than you. That's the whole purpose of charity, right? It helps those less fortunate. But let's look at, at what happened. Number one, as a board of director, if there is a crime being committed and you sit on a board of directors, you too can be held liable. Luckily for Trump, the other people on his board of directors were his three kids, Donald Jr., the Eric dude, and Ivana, or Ivanka, whatever her name is, Ivana. Ivana? Ivanka. Okay, Ivanka. The other thing that happened was I think there may have been intrastate crimes happening because he solicited the money from the Evans, Charles Evans Foundation in the state of New Jersey, and then he, you know, kind of did the transpire, had that money go to Florida. So I think there may have been some inter, interstate um, bank fraud there or electronic mail fraud there. Then he also claimed the deduction on, his, on the charity's tax returns. If you did not give the money, you cannot claim it as a tax deduction. It, bottom line, you cannot do that. And so that was also defrauding the government. Now, if we think back to the 90s, right, there was a rapper back in the day by the name of Cool Modi. Now, this was back in the year 1991. Uh, the rapper Cool Modi had songs like How You Like Me Now, Wild Wild West. He owed the IRS $180,000 in back taxes, and they seized his Mercedes-Benz in front of everybody, right? It was on, probably on the cover of Jet Magazine back in February in 1992. And even Wesley Snipes, he went to jail over tax evasion of not doing the right things with the IRS. So we can go on and on and on, but what Donald Trump did was not not cool, you know, and some of some of what he did was not even just passing through monies that he took in from other organizations. He took that money in and in some cases he used it for himself. The most famous things that he did was he got a helmet. Uh, remember Tim Tebow, the guy who used to kneel down on one knee and kiss his, I think he used to kiss his bicep or something and pray to God. Um, I don't know how long he landed or lasted in the NFL, but Trump got an a autographed helmet when he was with the Broncos. And then a, a famous painter did a painting of Donald Trump. And that painting also was bought by the Trump Foundation for Charity, but it stayed within the Trump Organization. So those are actual crimes. Um, but in true affluenza ways, um, he's not going to jail and neither are his kids. So what it looks like is going to happen is um, he admitted in court documents, Donald Trump admitted to using, um, oh, I hope you remember this. Remember the Iowa uh, debates back in 2016 when Donald Trump decided he was going to do a fundraiser for veterans? Well, he admitted, um, and shout out to everybody in Iowa, my Cambridge people, he used those money, he used those monies not to give to veterans um, as he promised, but he actually called the, the event a fundraiser and he gave that money to his campaign. That's also against the law. You cannot do things from a charitable standpoint to benefit a political, whether it's a, a candidate, a political party, none of that stuff. Those two shall never meet. But beyond that, why would you take money from that you were raising for veterans and use it for yourself. Like these are the people that put their lives on the line. So this is one of those things where, you know, you don't get a pass um, in any way, shape or form for um, for basically scamming veterans. He also admitted in court court documents, he admitted to using charities charity funds to settle a lawsuit at Mar-a-Lago. Uh, he also admitted in court docs that uh, he kept that painting. 
Um, but then on Twitter, he said something completely different. He said that, you know, the hacks in New York, you know, uh, Southern District of New York have been harassing him, blah, 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 blah. So what New York State has done to him is, one, they made him shut down his charitable foundation. Um, that he had uh, only left in his foundation was 1.7 million. Now, Donald Trump, in, on paper, from what we think, and again, we haven't seen his tax returns, is supposed to be more wealthy than Oprah. In Oprah's foundation, she has $242 million left over. But the state of New York made Donald Trump give that money, that $1.7 million, to City Meals on Wheels, United Negro College Fund, Children's Aid Society, the United Way National Capital Area, and then the U.S. Holocaust Memorial Museum. So um, with that being said, when it's time for you to check on charities, we'll tell you what to do when we come back to make sure that they're actually doing what they say they're supposed to do with that money. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I am your host, Emma Folk, Certified Financial Planner. And what I'm talking about is our charitable deductions. You know, as business owners, as hardworking people, we want to give money to organizations to help those uh, that aren't in need. You know, police foundations. A lot of times when police go down, when we lose our first responders, uh, their families don't get a whole lot of money. People that are in the military, um, when they get hurt, they come back, they don't get millions of dollars to help take care of them. You know, this is a burden on them. It's a burden on their families. It's a real, you know, it's a real loose situation and it's not a comfortable situation. So anytime I find out about a charity or a person that is defrauding people, uh, I want to bring it to our attention and also so that we understand what to look for. This just happens to be a famous case, but it's not getting a lot of airtime right now because of the, um, the impeachment scandal. So what I am talking about are how to verify trust but verify that the nonprofits that you're giving money to are on the up and up. You know, I had a situation, I sat on a board and we had someone take money from us. And I have to tell you, it was one of the most difficult uh, times in my life because I don't think I'd ever had anybody steal from me like that before. And it wasn't my money per se, but it was an organization that I was putting a lot into. You know, sometimes when, when we sit on boards, we're giving 10 hours a week sometimes, 20 hours a month sometimes. Uh, we, we, we work well into, you know, 1 a.m., 2 a.m., trying to get stuff done. We're not getting paid for it. And when someone, you know, basically lies or they steal from a charity, steal from kids, steal from first responders, steal from veterans, to me, that's a, a morality thing. That's an ethics thing. And, you know, here we have someone who has cheated on his wife, wives uh, uh, has cheated on, you know, his taxes and is now cheating on, you know, charities. That's not a cool thing. So what you can do is if you're looking at donating money to a charity, you want to look at their form 990, uh, which you can find, you can just Google, how do I see tax returns of charity? And I think it's the Star Foundation or Star Organization. Any charity that you are donating money to should have a tax return filed within the last year to year to two years. So you want to see how much money is coming in, how much money is going out, how much money they are paying their executive directors. Are they paying any of the board members? Things of that nature. You want to make sure that things are on the up and up. But before the break, I was saying that only monies that were left in the um, Trump organization's um, uh, charity 
uh, as of last year was 1.7 million. So it was raising money, but a lot of that money that was coming in was going back out to do, you know, a whole bunch of other stuff. And you can look the stories up. But as I was mentioning, he they took that money. New York took the money, gave to City Meals on Wheels, United Negro College Fund, Children's Aid Society, the United Way in D.C., and then the, and then the United States Holocaust Memorial Museum. Donald Trump, um, he has to notify the state of New York if he gets involved with another charity, okay? And then his kids have to undergo uh, training to ensure that they never do this again. Now, let me tell you, that's an affluenza type of punishment. What would happen to the rest of us is we would go to jail. Uh, if we weren't going to jail, we would have to pay that money back. We would never be allowed to be involved with another charity. And the list goes on and on and on. So, Again, make sure that you're paying attention to who you're giving your charitable deductions to and that you're not being involved in somebody's tax scheme. All right, I want to say good morning to the Black Business Owners Connected. Uh, thank you for joining us. I wanna say good morning to the Black-owned, Black Network, Black Empowerment, Black Business Supporter Group. Good morning to you all. Uh, happy holidays. I wanna say good morning to the Urban Professionals. Happy holidays. And also the Promote Your Business Group, <clears throat> excuse me, on Facebook. Facebook. Happy holidays and good morning to you. Once again, if you want to comment, uh, feel free to drop your comments on Sensation Station Network. Go to the comment section and you can put your comments in there. Uh, you can also text us at 678-613-5857. If you're listening to us, you know, SSNATL.com or SensationStationNetwork.com, you too can put in your um, your comments. I would really love to know your, your thoughts on this situation. All right. Um, let's talk about corporate culture. I was watching one of my favorite shows. Uh, is The Office, you know, and, and it's a pretty lighthearted, you know, comedy show on NBC, and it's all types of shenanigans that go on, and it's not, never anything intentionally mean, but in watching the show and looking at some of the earlier episodes, there's a whole lot of stuff that goes on on that show that is wrong, just wrong, and I've worked in environments where the corporate culture was a little wonky, uh, you know, this was probably around the time before the um, sexual harassment movement, when we still weren't weren't sure what what we could and couldn't say things like that and then think of the movie uh, horrible bosses right horrible bosses was a movie about just some really awful bosses and then their employees wanted to turn around and and try to kill them so what we're going to discuss are six signs that your corporate corporate culture uh, is a liability so they're saying now that one in five employees report experiencing a cultural crisis and a cultural crisis is when there's a significant incident indicative of a troubling workplace where attitudes and behaviors in the organization just aren't quite up to snuff. What's even more is that a greater number of employees, 30%, are expected to experience a, a, a corporate cultural crisis such as sexual harassment, gender discrimination, financial mismanagement, cheating of customers, inattention of safety or poor behavior in the leadership ranks within the next two years. Now, they're basing this based on their employer's behavior. So they're looking at the top, the C-suite, the executive level, uh, the managers. Based on their behavior, a lot of employees just know that the bottom is about to drop out. That's not cool. So the source of, uh, of all these stats um, is the United Minds Research Company, and they're showing that 28% of employees strongly agree that there's an alignment between their company's actions and its stated values. So let me say that again. 
your company's actions and the values, the mission statement that we all have on our websites, right? Do the values of the people in the corporation match that? And if it doesn't, then you may have a little bit of a problem. So what conditions precipitate a cultural crisis? Well, it could be a lot of things. Um, one, it could be inadequate investment in people. Okay, so that's when employees think that their employers aren't living up to their end of the deal. You know, a lot of times, uh, you know, it's, I call it the, the dating factor. When people are looking for an, a job and when employees are trying to bring people in, everybody's on their best behavior. You know, it's like, like dating. The first three to four months, everyone is on their best behavior. Each side promises each other the world and then we see what happens, right? So when it, there's inadequate investment in people, um, people are less inclined to live up to you know doing their best um, they become disengaged your employees will become disengaged they'll start showing signs of um, passive aggressive behavior or letting their work quality slip um, and then when these conditions uh, exist at scale your company could become extremely extremely vulnerable so if you're looking for a new job one of the questions you may want to ask is about the investment that they put in people the second risk that we have is lack of accountability one-third of the people that that responded to the survey said they don't believe that their company consistently holds people responsible for misconduct. And usually this happens on the top or they were just being boys or she's just that way, things of that nature. So that could also uh, show that you have a toxic work environment. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we'll go through the other four signs and symptoms that you may be smack dab in the middle of a toxic work environment. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. We are discussing toxic work environments. That's right. Is your uh, is your corporate environment dripped steeped in, in toxicity? Well, listen, I want to welcome uh, Black-owned businesses and also internet radio uh, station, uh, Facebook groups. Uh, good morning and welcome. Thank you for joining us. Uh, before the break, we talked about, we were talking about corporate cultures. It's the end of the year, going into a new year. A lot of times, you know, we start setting our resolutions and thinking about the stuff we don't want to put up with next year. As business owners, you have to think about who's in your organization. Uh, a lot of times when we have someone that has been in the business with us since the beginning, we tend to let them slide. And when you let people slide, it messes up the entire culture. You have Everybody has to be held accountable to the same set of standards. So some of the uh, risks that in, are indicative that you have a toxic work environment is one, there's an inadequate investment in people. Two, there's a lack of, account, uh, of accountability. Uh, three is lack of diversity, equity, and inclusion. You know, that, that's a big thing this year, especially with the Me Too movement, diversity and inclusion, gender discrimination, et cetera. Um, what we do know is that lack of diversity in the workplace is the third most predictive indicator of cultural risk. Let me say that again. Lack of diversity and inclusion, lack of equity in the workplace is the third most predictive indicator of cultural risk. All right. The fourth one is poor behavior at the top. It rolls downhill, okay? Um, so usually you can look at what's happening with the CEO of a company and you can tell what's going on with that corporate culture. So last year in 2018, we saw a string of CEO departures for impropriety. Uh, the, the chiefs of Barnes & Noble, CBS, Lululemon, they were all ousted, right? So this is a significant trend and for the first time in 19 years, the number one reason why CEOs were ousted from their jobs was not 
poor financial performance, but ethical lapses. So this means that we as a country, something is shifting. There is a change. So we're going to end up hearing people still like think about people who smoke cigarettes in their office back in the day. In the 80s, um, when I was still, you know, in the early 90s, when I was still in corporate America, um, there were um, some advisors that I worked for back in D.C. at Dean Witter Reynolds. They used to smoke cigarettes in the office and they didn't understand why they had to stop. It is a corporate culture. It is a cultural shift that we're going through right now. All right, number five, um, one of the indicators that you may have a toxic work environment, high-pressure environments, right? Um, high-pressure environments, uh, people usually think that they result in profit and growth, um, but it's usually at the expense of values and ethics. So this is one of the areas where employees rank their employers the lowest and identify the biggest opportunity of improvement. So what they're looking for are they don't want unrealistic deadlines. They don't want overly aggressive sales targets. And poorly structured incentive systems can lead uh, people to sometimes take uh, extreme or illegal methods to deliver business results. So we don't want that anymore. And then number six is going to be unclear ethical standards. So um, <laughs> I don't know what to say about that other than, you know, you can go to a company, you can ask people sometimes, hey, what's your corporate culture? What are your corporate ethical standards? And see what people have to say to you. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, I'll tell you how to guard against cultural risk. And then we'll start talking about the 1% and whether or not they need to be taxed more when we come back in 300 seconds. Big business. This is the American And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. I'm your host, Emma Folks, and you're listening to my show, Financial Renaissance with the M's. Financial Renaissance with the M's comes on live every Sunday morning from 10 a.m. to 12 noon. And the reason we do this show is to take whatever's happening in Washington and on Wall Street and break it down for everybody else, the lower 99 on Main Street, so that you know how to rock in your world. You know what to do with your dollars so that, you know, you can make the, the best sense of the monies that you have. So I am a certified financial planner. I've been helping people in the industry for about 20 years now, off and on, well, mostly on. Um, and I'm also a subject matter expert. I've written exam questions for the CFP exam. Um, and I, I take a lot of pride in what I do. I take a lot of pride in, in doing workshops and helping people just understand what to do uh, with their money, uh, the monies that they do have. But I cannot control how much you're getting paid, but I can tell you what to do with what you're getting. Now, as business owners, we have to think about the environment of our companies, right? Uh, it's very easy to have our favorites. It's very easy to have people that we don't get along with, but they do, you know, they get the results. But what we have to do is look at the toxicity. I call it cancer. And we've all had people in our companies that we've dealt with that were like cancers, meaning because of them and their bad attitudes or their negative ways, they end up uh, demotivating other people or they infect other people with their negativity. You got to root that out. Like literally, you got to root that out. So some of the things that you can do to guard against uh, cult uh, culture risk can be to secure um, explicit commitment from the top. So if you're at the top, make sure everybody, you know, all of your managers, all of your VPs, all of these people, that everybody is committed to doing the right thing. And then create a cultural vigilance team, right? So that means that the legal department, communications department, HR, there should be diversity uh, and inclusion and risk management. All these different lines of business should be communicating together 
to make sure there's no toxicity. Uh, then you want to define or refresh your behavioral expectations. Don't be afraid to change them. If there's something that you're doing at work that, you know, was cool five years ago, but it's not cool now, then you need to change it. You're always going to have to change and evolve. There's nothing wrong with change. You know, in our household, we say the discomfort uh, breeds change, right? <laughs> if, we're, if we're uncomfortable, that means we're moving to another level or to a new, another plateau. Another thing that you can do um, is weave culture into your strategy development and annual planning process. And a lot of us business owners, we wait till the end of the year to do this stuff. So this is what we need to be working on. Now, um, some of the comments that we got was uh, the show Veep is also a, a, a toxic uh, work environment. Exactly. That was one of my favorite shows as well. Um, and then there are other people who are saying that uh, organizational members will note the distance and lapse between the organization's true values and the words posted on a sign uh, in front of the door every day when they come in and that the workers will judge the organization's hypocrisy based on this gap. Oh, that was a lot, but I, I, I get it. Um, another comment was um, that the Me Too movement was a much needed wake up call for corporate America uh, with matters of sexual harassment and gender discrimination at the fore. Um, oh, this person is saying, really, we live in one of the most amazing and tolerant countries on the planet um, that half the planet wants to move to, while over 300 million people, there may be cases and it should be addressed. So this person is saying that this article is ridiculous, that there's no such thing as a, a toxic work environment, um, that they lived under communism and can honestly say, we don't know how lucky we are. Here's what I have to say to that. Actually, you, I haven't done this in a while. You get that. Let me tell you something. Just because uh, other places in the world may be worse than where we are, it doesn't mean that we don't have room for improvement, okay? If you want to be the best, you you have to continually keep improving. That's why we do what we do. All right. So now let's, uh, I still want to hear your comments. So if you have any comments, go ahead and put it in the comment section. You can text us at 678-613-5857 or go ahead and drop your comments in the comment section. Now, um, there was an article, it was an opinion, and I'm going to tell you what's the difference. So an opinion is when a journalist or anybody writes their thoughts. It doesn't necessarily have to be proven with facts, but it's just their thoughts. So uh, sometimes when we're watching news, people will do opinion pieces. Um, sometimes uh, someone will do what's called an op-ed, uh, an opinion edi editorial, something like that. Um, or journalists will just go ahead and, and give their opinion. But an opinion, again, is just somebody's side of the story, not necessarily uh, based in facts. So uh, this is an opinion piece about why why raising taxes on the rich isn't so crazy. So what he's saying, um, this guy's name is uh, Rex, or this person's Rex Nutting, um, and he's with the uh, marketwatch.com, and he's saying that Democrats aren't satisfied with the economy. Um, that the even though unemployment is way down and the stock market is up, He's questioning whether or not average Americans, hardworking Americans, are still having a hard time getting ahead. 
Um, he's saying that inequality has gotten so far out of hand that it's become a drag on the U.S. economic growth, which I see as well, but I see it for different reasons. One, I don't think that we're looking at growth in the same way and we're not counting the tech sector. We're looking mostly at manufacturing. So he goes on to say that both Democrats, um, Democrats, both the moderate ones and the ones on the left, are proposing higher taxes on the wealthy, uh, not as a way of financial new spending for social programs, but they're looking at it as a redistribution of wealth on the richest families. And when we say redistribution of wealth, that gets a lot of people clutching their pearls and upset. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to talk about why. back on Financial Renaissance with the M's. You're listening to uh, me, Emma Folks, on Sensation Station Network. Listen, if you want to uh, drop your comments, go ahead and put your comments in the comment section, or you can text us at 678-613-5857. And feel free to follow me. I need 5,000 Twitter followers. I think I only need 1,500 more. Um, at Emma Knows Money, you can follow me on Instagram, Twitter, Facebook, and also uh, YouTube. So I want to know what you think um, about charitable donations, uh, how you feel about people using charitable donations for whatever they want to or lying about the charitable donations that they give. And then I also want to know how you feel about or what your experience was like being in a toxic work environment or being the boss of a toxic work environment. Sometimes there's nothing that we can do about it. So before the break, we were talking about imposing taxes uh, on the top 1%. So when we talk about taxing the wealthy, the you know, the 1%, the we're talking about one in every 500 people in our country. And the Democrats, the people on the left are saying that um, imposing higher taxes on the rich would help our economy grow faster. Um, they think that, um, you know, for Republicans, Republicans, they've been on this trickle down um, thing. Democrats feel that um, if we raise incomes or tax the wealthy, that that will be almost a trickle up, um, which is polar opposites of the Republicans who believe in the trickle down. Um, and the trickle down uh, has kind of made a little bit of a tax burden for us. Um, well, we do have lower taxes now. So it's not just Elizabeth Warren and Bernie Sanders. It's also Joe Biden. Um, all of these people are saying that we need to um, that we need to tax uh, wealthy people. Now, this uh, this this guy goes on to say that a lot of Americans feel that the uh, tax system is rigged against them and that prices for necessities such as health care, daycare, education and housing are rising faster than incomes. And so just just to proof, right? Um, my wife and I were looking at the, uh, um, what is it, healthcare.gov, and we were looking at one person, you know, medical, dental, vision, and then the other person, dental and vision, came out to, I think the lowest price was $900? Yeah, it was about $900 yeah. a month, all right, for two, no kids, no whatever pre-existing conditions, et cetera, et cetera, $900 a month. That is a lot of money for the average American to pay. You know, we, we were told about the ACA and we said, you know, we heard that things were going to be better once they repealed ACA. ACA is still there and it's horrible. So I don't, I'm still like befuddled or bewildered as to, you know, it's 2019. ACA was passed in 2010. What is the deal? So we'll see what happens about that. So here should be a compromise. And this is where our senators and congressmen, this is where people need to hear a little bit from us. You know, if 
if the wealthy do not want to pay extra in taxes, then they should pay their workers a fair wage. And what a fair wage means is that in whatever city that worker is in, they should be able to afford a one-bedroom apartment, okay? And that one-bedroom apartment should not equal 50% of their take-home pay. It's ridiculous. People are living hand-to-mouth right now, um, and something has to give. So inequality of wealth is causing a lot of other problems uh, in our country, which we know. Uh, the top 1% are stocking away or socking away uh, a greater uh, amount of the nation's wealth. So, so much so that regular Americans are starved for the capital that they need to buy homes, invest in schooling, start a new business, start a new businesses. The poorest half of Americans only have 2% of all the wealth in the United States of America. So that, that's, that's not cool. Um, social class, wealth, and political power now um, are being inherited by our, from our parents and our grandparents to a shocking degree, and I'd really like uh, to see the stats on that. So what we're looking at now is there's some people that are looking at debunking this because they don't want the wealthy to be taxed. However, that some are saying that taxes on wealth will destroy capitalism. Um, I don't know if that's true, because if we go back to like the 50s and 60s, that's when um, the rich people in our country were taxed even heavier. So if you Google uh, United States tax rates from inception, so they'll go back to the early 1900s till now, you'll see that the tax rates used to be at like 90%, 80%, 70%, but there were loopholes. But in the 50s and 60s, the rich were taxed heavier, but capitalism prospered even as workers received a greater share of the growing pie. So uh, extreme wealth right now, um, seems to flourish when competition breaks down, but rent-seeking behavior leads to inefficient economy, and rent-seeking behavior is what we've seen from millennials in the past few years because they haven't been able to afford to buy houses. So again, I'm talking about um, one in every 500 people. So uh, someone says that um, wealth tax, uh, which is kind of a death tax, like after you pass away, your estate is taxed. Um, with the tax laws, they've made that so that you have to have over $10 million in order for what you have left over to be, pa uh, to be taxed. So someone's saying that a wealth tax uh, punishes success. Argument is, instead of uh, taxing the successful, you'd rather tax people who failed or didn't make it. Uh, I, don't, I don't think taxes are a punishment, but I think it's the cost of living in a society. So as a business owner, you know, business owners have to pay two sides of taxes. We pay self-employment tax, we pay, you know, FICA, we pay a whole lot of stuff and we have to pay taxes for our employees. But paying taxes is what keeps uh, our roads nice. It keeps our bridges up. Um, it keeps our police officers paid. It pays our teachers. It pays, you know, a lot of these people who do the nurse, it pays a lot of people, but we, we cannot um, look at taxes as something negative. There is a point where you're paying too much, but we're all in the same boat. We're all paying, you know, our, at least in my opinion, I feel I'm paying more than my fair share of taxes. All right. So uh, A. Mendez says, get over it. The super rich will always control the tax laws to their benefit. Uh, will it will be really difficult for Democrats in Congress to change these laws, so get back to work and find another way to get rich so that you can get on that boat. Thank you, A. Mendez. Um, here's another one. Um, I had a millennial working for me who said, why should I work hard and try to be successful just so that the government can take it away from me and give it to someone else who doesn't? Okay. Um, 
John Immerman says, I agree. The socialist parties tend to use other people's money, but in the end, we all have to pay taxes if we want parks, health insurance, and to live long and get things uh, to make life better, like roads and airports. Um, there we go. Uh, Lewis Woodhill says, billionaires don't have money bins stuffed with $100 bills like Scrooge McDuck. Uh, mostly they own assets that the rest of us use to make our living. Uh, the only way they can pay taxes is to liquidate wealth, which will liquidate jobs. There is a reason that the European countries have imposed wealth taxes and then quickly repeal them. I don't know if he's telling the exact truth, but you know, all of the wealthiest money is not tied up in, in, in hard assets. You know, some of it is actually going to be in cash as well. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we'll be looking at my M&O's money, my movers and losers, and the top five news stories for the week. Station Station Network. I am Emma Folks, your host, and we are talking all things financial this morning. We're talking about taxing the wealthy, the uber wealthy, the top 1%. We're talking about corporate cultures and, and the toxicity of it all. And then also looking at charitable donations, making sure that you uh, know what to do as a business owner, as a uh, charitably inclined person, that you're doing the right things with your money uh, to make sure that the people that you want to help are actually receiving the help. But before that, let's go to buy the numbers. Let's uh, get into some numbers that I think you should know about that you don't know about. So the current bull market and the bull market. So when we look at, you know, Wall Street, on Wall Street, there's a bull outside, right? So a bull market is indicative of the stock market going up. A bear market means that the stock market is going down. So we have had, we've been on a bull market run um, for the last almost 11 years. In three months, uh, we will have made history and we would have uh, been in a bull market for 11 years. All right. 61% of 1,000 workers surveyed um, earlier this year in January said that they are working with financial advisors. Hey, oh, I need some clapping there. All right. Or they're expected to start working with a financial advisor as they prepare for their eventual retirement. Listen, if you are not familiar with how the stock market works, how the bond market works, uh, all things that have to do with investments, don't listen to people, uh, hire a financial advisor. And, and more importantly, you want to hire a CFP, go to makeaplan.org and find a certified financial uh, uh, planner who can help you plan for retirement, tax strategies, things of that nature. And you can always give our office a call at 404 633-9952 at Greenwood Wealth Management. All right, offshore drilling. I did not know this. Drilling for oil is not permitted in the waters off of 19 of the 23 coastal states uh, whose borders touch the Pacific Ocean, the Gulf of Mexico, or the Atlantic. Only four states where oil exploration drilling is permitted is off the coastline of Texas, Louisiana, Mississippi, and Alabama. Did not know that. Okay, are we twice as healthy? Hmm. The United States spends 18% of our $21.5 trillion gross domestic product on healthcare expenditures. Are we more healthy? Not really. We just spend a lot of money on it. All right. Uh, almost half, 42.6% of the cost to deliver a baby in the year 2018. 
So there was almost 4 million births. Uh, almost half of that cost was paid for by Medicaid. So what that means is people don't have insurance or they're not making a money, uh, making enough money to afford to pay for their hospital costs to deliver the babies that they're having. So f in my mind, if you are on Medicare to have a baby, can you afford to have the baby? And that brings up a whole bunch of other issues that we're not gonna jump into. But again, some of the things we can do about that, condoms, hmm? Uh, you know, safe sex, all that stuff. So when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to get into um, America being ranked, where we rank for female entrepreneurship. Energizing a nation, one listener at a time. It's SSNATL.com, radio that's not dumbed down. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Want to say good morning to the Black Women Business Owners Group on Facebook. Good morning. Thank you for joining us. And I, I am actually excited today. Something, something pretty cool has happened. The United States of America has been ranked the best country in the world for female entrepreneurship. Yeah! Yes! Go on, let me hear it. Clap! Yes, we are ranked number one for doing something great. I am ecstatic about this. And let me tell you why. Back in the 1970s, okay, if a woman wanted to start a business and get a business loan, she had to have her husband or her father co-sign for her. Can you imagine that? That's right. Google it. Women weren't able to own money or be able to do a whole bunch of things. But uh, closing the entrepreneurship gender gap uh, could increase the global economy by 2.5 to $5 trillion, all right? Um, research published this past Wednesday ranked the countries, the best countries for female entrepreneurship and found that the United States of America is first, followed by New Zealand, Canada, and Israel. So I am totally jacked up about that. Um, the, there's a third MasterCard index of women entrepreneurs, and they look at publicly available data from international organizations, et cetera. And what they do is they created a global index that tracks the, the progress and success of female business owners across 58 markets, representing nearly 80% of the world's female labor force. That is a very, very big deal. The results reaffirm that women are able to make further business inroads and have higher labor force participation rates in open and vibrant markets where the support for the small and medium-sized businesses and the ease of doing business are high. This is a wonderful, wonderful thing. So I'm pretty jacked up about it. Um, one of the other um, little factoids I saw that made me smile had to do with some of the best places in the world to, uh, excuse me, some of the best states to live in as you get older. And I know that there's a, a change going on in our cities right now. It looks like baby boomers and millennials want some of the same things. So they're living closer to each other, which I think is awesome. But it looks like the city of Minneapolis, Minneapolis, <laughs> Lake Minnetonka, uh, Minneapolis is making many communities along with transportation corridors for older people to make it easier for them to get around, which I think is awesome. And they're also attracting older workers for their valued work experience. Experience, right so a lot of times people retire but then they go back on and they start consulting working part-time and they can still have that money coming in so they can take their grandbabies to different places travel etc before they touch their retirement income and then West Sac right that means West Sacramento um, they have um, 
uh, tackled the transportation problem, and they've turned a suburb into a destination community for their older residents, and they've busted out of that old senior center model. So they have their seniors doing fire and glass work and just doing real productive stuff for the community. Another city that's one of the greatest places to live in the country uh, is Boston. Uh, they have certified businesses to better serve customers with dementia. So there are now businesses that are getting certification so that they know how to deal with people who are suffering from dementia, which I think is great. So this is a city government that is putting, you know, a lot of weight behind aging initiatives. And then Dallas-Fort Worth area, or Fort Worth, um, they're helping their older residents become entrepreneurs. Again, uh, contracting, right, or uh, consulting, partially consulting, I forgot what that word is, um, but they are trying to make sure that they don't have um, people leaving the inner cities to go to the suburbs. They're trying to keep all of their older residents right there um, in the city, which I think is great. And then Tulsa, right, the great city of Tulsa, Greenwood. Tulsa has reduced their 911 emergency response times to make sure that they can help take care of their older residents as well. So I think that this is uh, some really, really great stuff that's been going on um, in our country. And then also, you know, with, with female entrepreneurs, us being ranked number one, I think we should be patting ourselves on the back because there's so much other stuff happening that makes us feel like we're losing, which we are, but uh, it's nice to see that there are some inroads being made. And then I also think I saw that in Topeka, Kansas, uh, they are trying to get people to commit to move there, whether you're working remotely or starting your own business. They're looking at paying you $10,000 if you're a renter, uh, $15,000 if you buy a house and or start a business. Go ahead and Google it. Don't take what I'm saying at face value. Uh, go ahead and Google it and make sure that I am 100% correct. So... <laughs> oh, I hear my favorite music. All right. Uh, when we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to have my market movers and losers and my top five news stories of the week. All right. You are back with Emma Knows Money. And we are talking about my market movers and losers. All right. GameStop. Sales are continuing to fall. This is reminding me of Blockbuster. Like GameStop is one of the, sh the stores that I used to love to give my son money for. I'm like, hey, we could buy you this brand new gaming system or this brand new game, or we can get 10 games for the same price as one. And so after a while, I would send him to GameStop with $100, and this dude would bring me money back. It was amazing. So it's kind of sad for me to see GameStop leaving, but I understand why it's leaving. Um, they have to figure out ways of keeping up uh, with the new industry and the new environment that we are in. Now, another company that's making a comeback, don't call it a comeback, but Baby Fat is back. That's right, Kimora Lee Simmons' company is back. Um, and so we will be seeing that little kitty uh, in the stores again, and her daughters are modeling. Those little girls are modeling. Oh, yes, there they are. Yeah, like, oh my gosh, they, they were babies. Like, I don't know how long ago we were watching the show, but Baby Fat is back. Um, so that's a good thing for American luxury and uh, American um, uh, fashion houses. As far as on the stock market, uh, sneakerhead stocks, uh, Nike, Adidas, 
Under Armour were up. Puma, Skechers, and Foot Locker were down. Most of the luxury brands were up. Um, most of the cannabis companies <laughs> were down. And uh, from the gamers, uh, Microsoft was up. Zynga was up. Activision were up. Uh, EA Sports was down. So um, not too bad. Now, as far as Recession Watch, the 10-year Treasury um, closed the week at 1.84, and the two-year Treasury closed at 1.6. So there's still about a 21 21th of a percent spread between the two so that's that's pretty healthy now uh on friday i think it was or saturday um it looks like we have uh gone through a phase one deal with china okay so it looks like um united states and china negotiators are working now on a um I guess a time scale for for this agreement that's coming up. Uh, it looks like the deal is going to have to do with intellectual property, um, uh, with technology transfers, uh, with structural agricultural issues. Financial services are also going to be opening up, opening up as well as us being able to understand what they're doing with their currency because China, uh, you know, Trump was saying this from. I don't know, back when he was, uh, you know, railing against Obama, that China manipulates their currency, all right? They will overvalue, they'll devalue their currency, they'll do all different types of things with their currency. Um, and so, um, as well as the Chinese also have made a commitment to uh, purchase United States agricultural and United States goods. So this is kind of a good thing that's going to be happening, and we can look for an actual deal to be inked in January of this, of, excuse me, of 2020. Now, um, the jobs numbers uh, still look pretty good that we talked about that last week. Uh, the data showed that 266,000 new jobs were created last month. Unemployment rate was still down to 3.5, but again, we are focused on underemployment, not unemployment. And then manufacturing is still a sign of weakness, but again, we're not sure if we should be paying attention to manufacturing anymore. So I'm looking for those of you who understand what's happening with that to let me know. Now, in contrast, uh, consumer spending still continues to be a strength. Uh, the University of Michigan said that the consumer sentiment rose uh, from 9 95.5 to 96.8 in November, showing that consumers remain confident about the state of, econ of our economy and they are increasing their spending level. So uh, those are some good signs and symptoms saying that our uh, country isn't going to go to heck in a handbasket overnight. Um, but I'd like to know what you think. What are you seeing out there as far as spending? You know, are you still preparing yourself for the recession? Um, there are a lot of people that think the recession is going to be coming next year, but then there's other signs and symptoms that say the economy can stay exactly the way that it is for the next 20 excuse me the next decade or so you know sometimes we have a decade without a lot of movement and there are those that are saying that uh, little to no movement is better than the the high peaks and valleys that that may be coming along so again the things that you should be thinking about is paying down debt um, you should be looking at uh, opportunities that things that you may want to either buy or invest in waiting for that market to drop or the economy to, to tank a little bit so that you can take advantage of things being on sale. You know, that's what it's all about. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, we're going to have my top five news stories of the week and then my m and money. I'm going to be giving you some financial tips of what you should be doing as we close out this year to make sure you go into 2020 spectacularly. All right, we were speaking on toxic work environments. I got one for you. Uh, the away, remember the away luggage, right? 
Uh, the Away founders sold a vision of travel and inclusion to their employees, but former employees are saying it masked a toxic work environment. Co-founder Steph Curry, Corey, is stepping down as CEO after being exposed by uh, Zoe Schieffer uh, on TheVerge.com after her outing um, away as a toxic work environment. It seems that the higher-ups at the company were almost all white, straight, uh, and they never gave the employees the time of day. They said it was pretty clickish. Um, but the, the coolest thing was, I guess there's this thing that companies use to communicate with each other, Slack. Well, the CEO would get on Slack and rail on any employee that made any type of mistake whatsoever. So, um, and, and what's even funny is that one of the co-founders is married to the person, uh, the CEO of Slack. That's even, uh, that's hilarious. But they are not allowed uh, to email each other. Employees of Away are not allowed to email each other, direct message each other, or anything like that. And, and so they had, what I'm talking about, a real toxic, mean girl uh, corporate culture. All right. Um, next up, um, I wanted to... <laughs> Walk on by, Ben Carson. He, we're talking about money problems and homelessness, okay? Um, ben Carson is the Secretary of the Housing and Urban Development, um, and he went on Fox News last week, and he said um, that, you know, we cannot just throw money at homelessness, and I wholeheartedly agree with him. You know, in our streets, whether they're hot streets, cold streets, rich streets, or poor streets, we've got an influx of homelessness all over our country. Uh, here in the state of Georgia, we didn't understand what happened, but it looks like they closed down a bunch of the mental health facilities. So Ben Carson went on to say that uh, he compared diagnosing the cause of homelessness crisis to practicing medicine. You look at a person who has a fever and you don't just treat the fever, you figure out what's causing um, the fever. And that's what he wants to do with homelessness. So factoid, there are an estimated, um, in California, an estimated 130,000 people are homelessness, are homeless, and they're trying to figure it out but one of the things that Ben Carson said that I think we need to be paying attention to now he may be goofy in other areas but Ben does know medicine he said that the homeless crisis that we're having in our country right now uh, these are the kind of things that set up a situation um, where we can have a major epidemic so we need to fix it so I want you thinking about the black plague the pox measles and influenza and things like that so ladies and gentlemen gentle ladies please wash your hands when you leave the restaurant Room, and that should help us uh, avoid uh, anything uh, like that. All right, we are going to school for sure. Back to school because we need to remember suffixes and prefixes. And there is a return of a popular suffix. Uh, the European wealthy are betting on what they're calling the ultimate suffix, text. So we're looking at agritech, fintech, health tech, prop tech, reg tech, legal tech, Make up a tech, cooking tech, Emma tech, you know, and so on and on and on. But wealthy investors in Europe are all over it. Um, they are doing, they're pushing money through venture capitalists um, to fund um, organizations. And remember, as a business owner, there's three ways of funding your business, personal savings, uh, borrowing from a bank, or venture capital. But it looks like the European venture capital funds are now raising about a fifth 
um, of their wealth from private investors, which is up 15% from more than um, four years ago. And then right now, more than real estate in Europe, private equity is now the most uh, second most popular asset class uh, for family offices, according to UBS. So uh, people are really looking at technology being the thing that is going to take us over the edge and flip us over to the other side. All right. Get a load of me. This warms my heart. Robocallers. A robocaller has been fined $10 million. That's right. The FCC fined a proposed uh, a telemarketer uh, whose robocalls spread misinformation about a political candidate and blamed it on a rival uh, telemarketing or robo-marketing company. So um, I am impressed with that. The guy's name is Kenneth Moser. He's been fined $9,997,750 for doing that. Now, on the bright side, one of the things I want you to know is that the House, during all this impeachment stuff, passed a bill to stop robocalls. In a political climate, when Democrats and Republicans can't agree on anything, the bill to stop illegal robocalls passed 417 to 3 uh, this past Wednesday. So um, it's called the Traced Act. Um, don't know what that stands for. The Telephone Robocall Abuse Criminal Enforcement and Deterrence Act. So make sure that you call uh, the Senate at 202-224-2541 and let them know that you want them to, you know, pass this act. Okay. Wait a minute. Where are all the other kids? Haven't you heard? There's been an outbreak of measles. It's all because everyone stopped vaccinating their kids. Yuck. All right. The you If you haven't gotten your flu shot, you may want to talk to your doctor about it. And let me tell you why. The, Center, the Centers for Disease Control estimate that there have been 2.6 million flu-related illnesses in the United States in the year 2019. Of those, 23,000 resulted in hospitalizations and 1,300 people have died from the flu in the United States in 2019. So seriously speaking, people, use your hand sanitizer, wash your hands, wear your mask, do whatever it is that you need to do to stay safe and healthy. Because if you are not healthy, you cannot become a wealthy. When we come back on Financial Renaissance with the M's, my Emma Knows Money, I'm going to be talking to you about year-end financial tips, what you need to do to get your financial house in order before the start of the new year. Be afraid. Be very afraid. Emma Knows Money. Uh, this, uh, this segment of Emma Knows Money is sponsored by Greenwood Wealth Management, making Wall Street work harder for you. All right, it is time for our year-end uh, financial planning. So it's time to get our finances in order. It's time to think about all the things that we've done for the year because there are going to be some deadlines, December 31st. So this is the time where you want to make sure you're talking to your financial advisors, you're talking to your, certi- um, your CPAs, your tax person, making sure that you've done everything that you can possibly do. We've got like 15 days left to either buy stuff or do stuff um, to make sure that we don't get caught with a, a bigger tax bill. All right, so number one is to check your withholding. So if you're a W-2 employee, meaning that they take taxes out of your paycheck before you receive it, you want to look, double check um, on your withholdings because last year, a lot of people got caught flat-footed uh, because of their withholding. So you want to go ahead and, and check that out, recalculate it. For those of us that have uh, lumpy or unpredictable income, you know, you business owners, 
officers, people who work on commission, you want to make sure that you look. There's a calculator on the IRS.gov's uh, website. It's called the IRS Withholding Calculator. You want to go ahead and put your numbers in there and make sure that you're not caught flat-footed because nobody likes to write a check to the IRS if they absolutely don't have to. Um, also, you want to consider refinancing your mortgage or student loans. So uh, interest rates right now are low. They may not get any lower. It's looking like this may be as low as we go. So if you're thinking about refinancing, if you're at like a 5 6 or 7%, go ahead and talk to your mortgage advisor or your mortgage broker about bringing that number down. Refinancing, you can refinance if you're at a 30 year you can refi to a 15 year or a 10 year to get rid of that mortgage sooner or you do another 30 year and just make extra payments pay the same payments that you're paying but this is a good time to start looking at that and then student loans if you have multiple student loans you may want to consider refinancing them so call not privately you may want to look at doing it if you still want to deduct the interest you have to do it through the um, the public governmental uh, programs that are out there but you definitely want to look at that you know if your student loans uh, interest rates are higher than five percent you know if you're in the six seven eight percent you want to go ahead and look at refinancing of that and then with your 401ks this is a time to do a 401k checkup yes you're supposed to set it and forget it but you want to also look at um, your contribution limits make sure that you're doing the right thing there uh, if you're turning 50 uh, if you've turned 50 this year, turning 50 next year, remember that you have a catch-up provision. So once you turn 50, you can put an extra $6,000 in per year into your 401k, an extra $1,000 into your IRA or into your Roth IRA. So you do want to check out your uh, 401k. Make sure that um, you're in the your investment lineup matches up with your age, matches up with your risk tolerance, etc. If you're not sure, this is why you want to talk to your certified financial planner. Now, planning for charitable donations or contributions, as I've mentioned, um, because of the new tax law, uh, as a single person, you have to go above a $12,000 a year uh, standard deduction. And if you're married, that number doubles. It's $24,000. So if you're making donations to charities and you're itemizing, you know, all the expenses that you have don't go above $12,000 or $24,000, you won't be able to write off that tax deduction. Okay. If you give to a charity, you won't be able to write it off. So you have to get with your uh, CPA, your tax professional and your financial professional to figure out how to give donations so that maybe you're doing it at the end of this year and the beginning of next year to get it kind of into one, but they call that kind of bundling. Uh, but we'll get into that. Um, and you also want to consider the, the um, um, because of the itemized deductions and the new standard deduction, the best way to take advantage of, of donating to your favorite charity. Um, and then it also, if you are over 60-ish, 62-ish, uh, you may want to look at having monies go to donations directly from your IRA instead of receiving that money. But if you want to look at that, deploying that strategy, you have to call the office so I can talk to you about it. Now, parents of kids that are in college, watch the timing of your 529 plan distributions. You're going to be getting bills uh, in the mail in a few for um, January's tuition. Do not pull money out of your 529 plans to pay that bill for January. Okay. If you pull it out, you may end up paying an extra 10% penalty. When you pull it out, that same year you pull it out is when you have to give it. So you may need to wait till January, or if you take it out this year, make sure you're sending it immediately. Okay. And then for those of you with flex spending accounts, remember to use it before you lose it. And this is another good time 
to look at how much you've been spending and make sure that you're doing the right things um, uh, for next year so that you don't leave any money um, on the table, okay? That is not what we want to do when it comes to stuff like that. So uh, we have dependent care. Uh, we have, um, what is it? The child care expenses. That's the dependent care. We also have the medical stuff. Um, so you want to make sure that you are, um, I guess you can put in about 5000 a year um, if you're married. Um, but you have to make sure that you can get that money back out. So you have to submit your receipts, keep your receipts. And I believe you have until about March of next year to get the rest of that money out. So if you're looking at changing jobs, you're looking at doing a bunch of things, make sure you're looking at how much you've had taken out in, in flex spending this year and how much receipts that you have. So you're not leaving any money on the table. All right. That is my Emma Knows Money financial planning tips, year end financial planning tips. And this uh, segment of MNO's money was sponsored by Greenwood Wealth Management. And we are back with Financial Renaissance with the M's. Yes, we had a great show today. We talked about a lot of great things. We talked about the uh, charitable donations, making sure that the charity that you entrust with your hard-earned money or money that you raise is used for a good purpose. And we also talked about taxing the wealthy, the uber wealthy, the top 1%, whether or not that makes sense. Um, and then we also looked at toxic work environments and yet another CEO, a female CEO, has to step down because she was being like Cruella DeVille. Uh, during MNO's money session, I was um, giving some tips for year-end uh, financial like things that you need to do and there was a couple of questions about the standard deduction rate okay so that is an increase the the government increased the standard deduction rate I forgot what it was before it was either six thousand if you were single nine if you were married or eleven something along those lines they raised it to twelve thousand dollars for a single person uh, $24,000 for a married couple. So as a married couple, um, if all of your donations, uh, your business, uh, your business expenses, things of that nature don't add up to 24,000, none of it matters because uh, they're going to automatically give you a $24,000 standard deduction. So if you have stuff above that and you're making donations and things like that, that's when you're going to be able to, to kind of itemize those things. Uh, one of the other things um, that you can deduct always is your state and local uh, taxes, right? But that is now capped at $10,000. So if you pay, say, $20,000 for property taxes, okay, no matter where you live in the country, if your property taxes are $20,000, you can only deduct 10 of that on your federal income taxes okay so those are just some of the changes that they've made um, since you know with this new tax law that uh, that came out um, some of the other things that we're going to be looking at um, towards the end of the year are going to be the shopping clubs and whether or not they're worth the price like the AMC theater they have a Stubbs A-list um, and I guess you can't roll over the unused, uh, any unused movies that you don't go to see into the next week. Uh, Bed Bath & Beyond has a price club, and it's like 30 bucks a year. Um, and they give you 20% uh, off purchases and free shipping and 30% off um, online interior decorating services, et cetera. But uh, a lot of the finer uh, brands like, um, I can't pronounce it, like Croissant, uh, Dyson, and Millet, is that that uh, coffee maker we like in the hotels? 
Yeah, I think it is. Um, you can't. You won't get any discounts on that stuff. CVS has a care pass, which costs about fifty bucks a year, um, and you'll get a monthly a ten dollars store credit, uh, which expires at the end of the month each month, and then you'll also get a one to two day uh, shipping thingy. Uh, REI has a co op. Um, um, club, $20, $20 one-time fee, but um, you don't get 10% dividend on sales items, trips, classes, things like that. And then Walgreens has a participation savings club, and it's $20 for an individual, $35 for a family membership. So you'll get discounts on more than 8,000 prescription drugs, including most generics, come in at a 5 to 20% discount. Um, and also you get discounts on immunizations and their healthcare clinic, things like that. Uh, Medicare and Medicaid recipients are excluded and pet meds need a vet, vet, veterinarian's prescription. I didn't know that you had to get a prescription for a dog. All right, and then Wayfair has a My Way uh, shopping club which costs $30 a year. Um, you get 25% off design services and in-home services. Uh, looking at the fine print, free shipping excludes flooring, large fixtures, and other items. So these are just some other ways that you can, you know, look at saving some money uh, between now and the end of the year. And don't forget, for those of you uh, that don't have to uh, buy stuff for Christmas Day, after Christmas sales are going to be insane. And also, you can look at buying winter clothes, I think, starting in January uh, after the season. That's the best time to stock up on sweaters, jackets, things of that nature, and also boots. Um, so, yeah, that, that, that should help out a whole lot. Now, next week, on next week's show, if we can figure out the technology, we will be broadcasting live from the Wright's Garage. <laughs> That's right. We have an ugly, ugly Christmas sweater party. Right. So we'll be in uh, Birmingham, Alabama uh, next weekend and we'll be broadcasting live from there uh, the week after the last Sunday of the year. We're going to be joined by comedian Kia Comedy. Uh, you can imagine it is going to be an incredibly funny show. Uh, we will have mimosas in the studio. Uh, hopefully you'll be drinking along with us, but we plan on having a good time and just kind of a mashup of all the stuff that's happened financially this year, the good, the bad, and the ugly. Uh, we'll be talking about that. Um, and then I'll be starting off the new year with a, a caregiving uh, coordinator specialist. Again, caregiving is a big thing for those of us that are from the age, between the ages of 45 and 65. A lot of us are going to have to uh, take care of our parents and elder loved ones. We have to understand how to do it, what we need to do to protect ourselves how do we protect them and still help the younger generation so uh, I have um, uh, Lisa Meeks coming in um, she's going to be talking to us about that and then coming up later on today after my show we have sensational smooth Sunday smooth sensational Sunday <laughs> <laughs> and then the live exchange with Dr. Pamela at 6 p.m. tonight. Uh, tomorrow, make sure you have lunch with Cheryl Underwood. She's live on Sensation Station Network uh, from 12 uh, to 2. Is that right? From 12 to 2. Um, and then my thoughts for this week is, you know, again, be charitably inclined, you know, but just do the right thing. Follow. It. You don't have to be religious, but just follow the golden rules. You know, do what you need to do to, to bring our human race forward uh, and to bring our country forward and stop all this bickering. All right. You guys, if I don't see you uh, before Christmas, have a Merry Christmas. Happy Hanukkah. Happy Kwanzaa. I don't know. Ramadan. I don't know if that's a happy Ramadan or whatever, but whatever religion, whatever you believe in, have a happy time with you and your family. One love, one heart. Uh, let's be good humans and make our ancestors proud. See this?
desapareció.